Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the East Anglian Theatre Podcast. Lord, what fools these mortals be. You're still listening to this tripe a few months in. I could promise I'll improve in time, but that would be a barefaced lie. For those of you tuning in for the first time, or for those with short-term memories, my name is Ray Tempester, and I am the host, the head cheerleader, if you will, for theatre in the East Anglian region. And if you've met me in person, that's an image you'll want to quickly expunge. The podcast is split into three parts. Section one is where I give you the lowdown on what I've been up to recently. Theatre-wise, that is. No one's interested in my conversations to renegotiate terms with my broadband provider. Most often my highlight is a trip to the theatre, but in the coming weeks these visits will be less frequent as I involve myself in productions of my own, but more on that another time. Section two is the part you really want to hear as someone makes a guest appearance where they have to put up with answering my inane questions alongside their efforts to plug their show. And if you can last the distance, section three is where I pick a few upcoming shows and audition opportunities to highlight. That's all coming up, of course, but first, here's where I plug my website and social media pages. The East Anglian Theatre Podcast has a Facebook, Twitter and Instagram account. I'm an attention whore, so please do like them, follow them, share them with your friends, families, families? I'll leave that bit in. Colleagues and distant acquaintances. Mostly you'll find mentions of shows and audition opportunities that are coming up, but I do sometimes throw in the occasional picture of my dogs and cats when I get my personal and podcast accounts mixed up. The podcast also now has a website. It is eatpod.co.uk. That's eatpod.co.uk. It's still a work in progress, so there may be changes here and there, but at the moment you'll find all episodes and the reviews I've produced, plus a page to contact me about getting involved in the podcast should you wish. Please do check it out. Right, now that's taken care of, what have I been up to theatre-wise this week? Well, I interviewed a handful of cast members from the Madam Market's production of The Three Musketeers on last week's podcast, and this week I went along on opening night to check they weren't lying to me about the show. So, for what it's worth... Here's what I thought. Well, first of all, in this adaptation written by Daniel Winder, the character Milady de Winter is put front and centre, and the play looks at her backstory rather than simply focusing attention on the Musketeers. This particular narrative meant that the Musketeers characters in particular weren't quite as well-defined in this script as we've seen elsewhere. D'Artagnan's rise to the rank of Musketeer was almost a bit of a footnote in the play when this version had the character portrayed as female, which probably should have made the tale all the more remarkable. However, given the time devoted to telling Milady's story, which was no bad thing by the way, the three Musketeers and D'Artagnan's narratives felt a bit clumsy by comparison and they were almost written as pantomime characters. These are all issues with the script though, which the performers had no hand in, so that aside, let's look at what the group produced between them. Well, Charlotte Pound dazzled throughout as Milady. Every word pitched with the right amount of gravitas, every movement and reaction delivered faithfully to her character. Whilst her performance was excellent in its entirety, she was also one of the standouts when it came to sword fighting too. The actors portraying the Musketeers and D'Artagnan did a fine job of what they had to work with. Jose Taruca looked every inch a musketeer and gave a measured, thoughtful performance as Aramis, and also a confident cameo as the, the slightly stumbling king. 
Thomas Lloyd Edwards was great as Athos, clearly very adept with a sword in hand, and he very much looked the part when called upon to fight. He did manage to upstage himself, though, as the ridiculous and hilarious Lord Buckingham, which also allowed him to show his versatility as both a dramatic and comedic actor. Bradley Clark as Porthos had probably the least to work with, which was a shame because he had a real presence about him on stage and made the most of the physical side of his character. Amy Wright as D'Artagnan also made the most of what she had to play with. She was very natural in her delivery, skilful with a sword, and her comic timing was excellent. Now, beyond the five league characters, and there were some particularly fine performances from Jane Alexander as the Cardinal, Rebecca Regnecci as the Queen, and David Newham as Lord de Winter. Jen stalked the stage with such elegance yet menace as the Cardinal, and despite being a nasty piece of work, the, the character that is, Jen was wonderful to watch. Rebecca provided a majestic presence as the Queen, seemingly gliding around the room at times. She was more than just a pretty face, though, showing moral fortitude to try and prevent Lord Buckingham from starting a war and then joining forces with the Musketeers at the end. Rebecca was also another whose skills with a sword were a cut above. Pun completely intended, by the way. David Newham displayed his obvious stagecraft with crisp, clear diction, and his experience shone through as he almost seemed to raise the levels of those around him at times. On the comedy side of things, Diane Webb and Shem Jacobs were the stars. Shem, as the put-upon planchet, also didn't have a huge amount to work with, but made the most of it with his movement, facial expressions, comic timing, and his rich tone of voice. Diane absolutely killed it as the hostess, rinsing every drop of comedy from the script in a series of scenes which would have been funny on the page. However, she brought the scenes to life to maximum effect with her range of voices and her physical acting. It was a masterclass. As far as the production side went, the set appeared relatively simple, yet effective, with the fairly large projection screen quickly transporting us from one scene to the next. The balcony with staircase leading down to the floor looked impressive, and it was great to have split levels, but it did come at the expense of the playing space on the floor, which the actors would have benefited from, particularly in the fight sequences. Some of the action that took place upstairs also couldn't be seen by audience members sitting on the left-hand side of the auditorium, which was a shame. But it was to the actors' credit that they projected well enough that we could still hear them clearly, and I gather it's something they've, they've ironed out over the remainder of the run. The adventurous theatrical music was good, but not nearly loud enough to invoke the sense of drama that they were probably hoping to stir up in us, although, again, that can be easily addressed, of course. A special mention must also go to the Madame Market's magnificent wardrobe department, who must have had their work cut out with such a large cast and a, a number of characters to cater for, but every costume piece looked superb. Now, putting aside my personal reservations with the script, and this is a show where you can tell the cast were having a great time and the, the director and, and assistant director have been meticulous with the detail, and it's all added up to a hugely enjoyable family fun show and, and one that I had a great time watching. But now, for the main feature, and I'd like to introduce you to someone who's at the heart of theatre in Suffolk with her work at a couple of different groups, as well as helping to shape some of the next generation as a drama teacher too. Her name is Gemma Mays, and she's currently directing A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is due to be performed at Lavenham Hall later this month. She's here with me now, so without further ado, which is a shame because I do so enjoy and do, here is an interview with Gemma Mays. 
hi there, Gemma. I'm, I'm delighted to have you on as a guest. I wondered if, firstly, you could explain a little bit about the group that, that you're producing A Midsummer Night's Dream with and the links to the venue itself. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for having me on. So the the, the group that we're working with has, has kind of evolved slightly over the last 10 years. So um, we used to be linked specifically to um, the Laval and Players um, in its kind of first um, iteration, which was just over 10 years ago now. Um, and we've done four Shakespeare's as a kind of group. Um, but this time we've kind of gone out slightly more independently because um, all of the proceeds for this particular production are going to St Nicholas Hospice Care in Bury St Edmunds. So it's very much um, as a kind of charity event, as much as it is um, an opportunity for a really brilliant group of actors to all get together and have great fun with this amazing play in the beautiful grounds of Lavenham Hall. Yeah, what I was going to ask actually is about Lavenham Hall itself. What what what's it like to perform there? Have you performed there yourself? Yeah, I have. So really, I was it was a kind of life ambition fulfilled. I got to play Beatrice in the first production we did there. She is my favourite character of all of Shakespeare's amazing women. And so yeah, in the very first production, I was lucky enough to be cast as Beatrice. Um, amazing director called Annie Eddington directed the first production there um, and then subsequently I went on to direct the second production which was Twelfth Night and then I was Rosalind in As You Like It but unfortunately the director of that production had to step away so I also had to kind of co-direct that which was a little challenging because as you well know Rosalind is quite a big part um, so it was a bit of a balancing act but this time it's been lovely to take the directorial reins back and just have responsibility for that one thing well I'm co-directing it with um uh, Penny Mills so there's the two of us that are working on it together you've obviously done a bit of both acting and directing do you, do you have a preference yeah I do love directing if I had to pick but I do really enjoy the opportunity to perform as well particularly in an open air space like Lavenham Hall and the gardens are really quite extraordinary there so Kate and Anthony who own the house um Kate Kate Denton is an incredible sculptor um and her garden is basically her art gallery so not only do you get to come and see an amazing show but you get to walk around the beautiful grounds of the hall and see all of her incredible sculptures um, which are quite remarkable. So it is an Im- immensely creative space to work in and they are unbelievably generous um, as custodians of the house. They open it up to us. We were rehearsing on Sunday. It was extremely hot and they were there with water and, yeah, they're, they're a lovely, lovely couple, forever grateful for their hospitality. Now, it's seemingly the season for Shakespeare Outdoors so of all of the, the great Bard's plays, what was it that made you pick A Midsummer Night's Dream on, on this occasion? I think probably we, it might have even been the most obvious choice to start with. So it's quite interesting. It's taken us until number four to get there. Maybe it was almost too obvious. So we went for other ones first. But I think, you know, it just because of the, you know, the nature of the play, so much of it happens in a forest. Um, and with the open air setting, it is the kind of perfect marriage of, play and you know environment they marry together so well so is it an annual thing that you tend to produce a show at Lavenham Hall 
it's happened now like I say it's been around 10 years and it, it kind of worked so it was every kind of couple of years this production was actually meant to go on in 2020 and then of course the inevitable mm-hmm. happened so um yeah it's been a long time in the making actually which has made it even more special I think um and we pretty much managed to hold on to all of the original cast members. Um, a couple sadly had to kind of step back for different reasons, but it's been lovely to have kind of old and new friends involved in it. And ha- have the group always done Shakespeare's plays out- outdoors there? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, it's always been open air Shakespeare at the, at the hall. Yeah. I interviewed a group a couple of weeks ago that were performing Romeo and Juliet outdoors as well. And I asked them, given how well known the play is, whether they felt under any pressure to do anything different with the play. So I guess I should ask you the same question, although am I right in thinking that there's quite a big hint from what I've seen on the the bookings page with a 60s style background? Yeah, that's right. So I think there's always a huge amount of pressure when you direct Shakespeare to think, what do I want to do with this play and how do I want to um, make it still work for, you know, a modern audience? Because I think they do. I think, you know, they're remarkable plays and they have such connection throughout history. But yes, we've decided to set this um, particular version in, in the summer of 1969 in our kind of fictitious location of Lathenham, which is a bit of a hybrid of Lathens, uh, of Lavenham. Um, and Athens and there is a big festival that's happening Lathstock which of course is in tribute to the amazing Woodstock Um, and we've kind of used that conceit to kind of hold everything together so the house itself and the people that work there very much kind of represent the kind of slightly more sort of conservative establishment who are then kind of met head on by the liberated freedom of the kind of, you know, hip, hippies of the 1960s. And it's, it's yeah, it's trying to find how those two things meet together. And then with Puck, who's such an amazing character um, and seems to kind of be quite liminal and a bit of a shapeshifter, our, our brilliant actor who's playing Puck, Flora Douglas, she's actually kind of pushing into the early 70s. So there's a kind of sense of her being a bit of a, um, anti-establishment, shape-shifting kind of um, a punk figure. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the characters there. I mean, Midsummer Night's Dream has a lot of brilliant characters. Do you have a particular favourite? I think I might like Puck just for the absolute anarchy of it, of it all, and just some incredible speeches and 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 I like talking about Flora again. I think she's just been doing something really amazing with the part. And I think when you have it outside, particularly, you realise that that character has limitless possibilities. I definitely wouldn't want to play Puck. It terrifies me. But to direct Puck and work with um, a really fearless actor, it, it, it's a great part to play, I think. And, and have you worked with many of these actors before in previous productions? Yeah, I have. I've been really lucky. So quite a few of the actors that um, are part of this production have been in previous um, performances at the hall, but also a lot of them have links to um, SDS, Sudbury Dramatic Society, um, where I've also previously did, uh, directed and performed myself. So last year we were in an amazing production of Top Girls, 
directed by Annie Eddington, who's also playing Rita Quince in our version of um, Midsummer Night's Dream this year. So, yeah, it's lovely. There are old friends and new, um, some familiar faces. Someone like Flora, who I mentioned, was actually previously a student of mine. Um, and she's now working as a professional actor, but happened to be working locally at this time. So we've managed to somehow get her involved. So it's been it's a lovely group of people. We, you know, we've got people who are in their early 20s all the way up to people that are in their 80s. So it, it's a real great cast. Oh, fantastic. And just moving away from the play itself and, and on to your own experiences in the theatre. How did you initially get involved in, in theatre? Um, well, I have always had a passion for performing, I suppose, initially when you're younger, um, but kind of quickly realised that I did really love the more kind of direct directorial roles. So I went to Essex University and did a drama and English degree. Um, and then I went on to train as a teacher and I now work at Woodbridge School. I'm head of drama at Woodbridge School in Suffolk. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose it kind of in some ways quite a traditional route and and then have had the great privilege to direct lots of shows at the Secford Theatre. Um, at- oh, I was going to say, I, I had the privilege of performing at the Secford Theatre fairly recently. It's a fantastic yeah. venue. I know. Mm. And it being your space as a drama, head of drama is, is incredible. Mm. And um, this, you know, it, you can just, the, the space is so multifaceted in the way that it can change configuration. So, in November last year, we did a brilliant adaptation of A Christmas Carol and, you know, put it into thrust. So it's really exciting working in a space like that um, and forever has possibilities. Yeah. And a particularly a fantastic opportunity for the young people to perform in that space as well, because it's a very quite a professional setup there as well. Yeah, it really is. And some of the work that our students produce there is really exceptional particularly I love it at a level where the students are able to kind of take creative responsibility we had a group this year that did um an amazing version of Pinter's um uh mountain language in the style of punch drunk theatre company who obviously are very immersive and move around locations and they use the entire theatre and took the audience around the space so I think, you know, as a young creative, it, it's a really exciting space to work in. Mm. And what would you say, it's, it's, it's always a difficult question, but what would you say has been your highlight from your time in the world of theatre? Yeah, I think it is a really difficult question because I think almost every the thing you're doing right now always feels the most exciting. Uh, I think probably professionally certainly with my students we went to the Edinburgh we've been to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival now quite a few times so we have a group of students that kind of sign up to work um, for four weeks of their summer holiday which is obviously a huge ask Mm. and we basically pull a show together in three weeks and then take it up to the Fringe and perform for a week at the at the Fringe which you know is an amazing experience for them and for us, you know, as a creative team um, and really kind of tests, you know, your skills and how robust you are. So that probably has been a real highlight in the last kind of few years. You obviously don't really need to sell the virtues of A Midsummer Night's Dream, but with so many Shakespeare plays on offer at the moment, I guess I'm asking, why do you think people should come and see your show? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. I I hope that we've given the play uh, a different facelift. You know, it's not 
traditional, even though it very much is Shakespeare's play. And I think that's really important to honour the play and honour the text because it's fantastically written. But the kind of 1960s conceit, it's really playful. I hope after all that we've been through over the last few years, there's something really amazing about coming together in a space you know, we just with Glastonbury on recently, you get that kind of sense of a crowd all coming together and it feeling like a big party. And I think that's what we hope that we're, we're trying to achieve. So, yeah, come and join us for a big party. Again, it's a, it's a hard one to answer as, as you're so close to the performance. Is there anything in particular you think audiences um, or that you anticipate that audiences will enjoy, particularly about the performance? I think they'll enjoy the fact that it's really immersive. So even though there is a kind of stage area, because we've performed at the hall so many times now, you really get a sense of being able to use the entire space. So there are like multiple entrances and exits. Lots of things happen in amongst the audience. Um, There's no required participation. So I know sometimes that really scares people too. Although I can't quite trust sometimes what Puck might get up to. But, yeah, there's a real sense of you being within it rather than just watching it. And I think, you know, being able to have a picnic um, and just enjoy a lovely summer's evening and hopefully watching a slightly different version of the dream that you've seen before will hopefully be appealing to people. And also coming along to support such a brilliant um, charity as well. So you're hopefully getting something really great, but you're also doing a good deed. Good answer. (laughs) And finally, just for the promo side of things, what dates is it on and where can we buy tickets? Yeah, so I have to now check because I'm really bad at dates. It's Wednesday the 27th of July to Saturday the 30th of July. Um, There's a matinee and an evening performance on the Saturday um, and all the tickets are available from www.ticketsource.co.uk forward slash Lavenham Hall. Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining me, Gemma. It's it's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for having us on. So there we have it. That was the lovely Gemma Mays. You can judge her directorial skills for yourself between the 27th and the 30th of July. If you're coming along on opening night, do say hello to me. I'll be the one covered head to toe in sun cream and probably stuffing my face with an ambitiously sized picnic. Now, what else is coming up in the region in the next few weeks? Well, Quill and Inkling Theatre Company's East Anglian tour of their show, The Prisoner of Zender, continues with a number of dates remaining in the region. They are at the Thorrington Theatre in Saxmundham on the 21st of July, St Peter's Church in Northampton, not East Anglia, I know, on the 22nd, the Fisher Theatre in Bungie on the 23rd, Whitlingham Country Park near Norwich on the 24th. There's a bit of a gap while they head over to play a couple of dates in Canterbury and Dover before heading back to our glorious region on the 14th of August where they play at Bellevue Park in Sudbury. Then St John the Baptist Church in Wisbech on the 19th of August, St Mary's Church in Pakenham on the 20th and St Michael's Church in Fundish on the 21st. Now I would tell you about the show itself but spoiler alert, Quill and Ingling Theatre Company will be featuring on the podcast very soon. Now in Suffolk, Limelight Performers' production of Legally Blonde Junior opens in a few weeks. It's presented by their Show in a Week workshop cast, which is comprised of performers aged 9 to 18. You can catch them for two special performances only on the 13th of August at the Gallery Studio Theatre in Ipswich. 
And finally, over in Cambridge, Shakespeare's Globe are bringing a production of Julius Caesar to the Cambridge Arts Theatre stage. It's billed as a startlingly... No, it's not billed like that. It's billed as a startlingly relevant new production of the epic tragedy and is directed by Diane Page. You can catch it between the 28th and the 31st of July. As usual, throughout the week, I'll post links to the shows mentioned on the podcast, as well as some others that I've not had time to mention. And that's about all we've got time for. By which I mean I'm tired and I'm going to pour myself a large glass of something terrible for me. If you'd like to join me on a future episode of the podcast, or just give me a nudge about promoting a show, do get in touch either by visiting eatpod.co.uk or hit me up on the socials. Thanks as always for listening to me talk turkey for a little bit. I do appreciate your support. Assuming that I've not melted in the next few days, tune in next time for more of the same. In the meantime, though, take care of yourselves and go watch some theatre. Bye.